Welcome to your sanity safe space. Not any fucking issue. With your favorite YouTube podcast duo. You're fucking a white male. And a white female too. Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. <laughs> Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement. This, this is Beauty and the Beta. And we will make America great again. Hello and welcome to the show. A great show, a tremendous show, a terrific show. Frankly, the best. Ask anyone. That was Donald Trump's iTunes review of the show. Anyway, this is Beauty and the Beta. My name is Matt. You might know me by my YouTube moniker, Skag3. I am flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co host, Rebecca. Blonde. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. And we're back guest-free this week, but what we lack in guests, we're going to make up for with meaty topics, I hope, because this week was a heavy one. We had a chaotic eruption of police shootings and the Black Lives Matter responses. We had the conclusions of the uh, FBI's investigation into Hillary's handling of emails on a private server. And, of course, the recommendation of no charges for her. We'll discuss all this and more on your favorite hour of listening material. Thank you for liking the show on YouTube. Thank you for reviewing the show on iTunes. Thank you for emailing us, beautyandthebeta at gmail.com. And if you missed the last couple episodes, what are we doing next week, Rebecca? We're going to the RNC, where we are probably going to be murdered. Correct. 80% probability. <laughs> yep. So we, uh, we're going to take a trip to the RNC. We want to bring you the best content that we can on scene, interviewing crazies, talking to people. We both put a big <laughs> hole in our credit cards to make it happen. So we've set up that Patreon and that PayPal. If you want to chip in, we appreciate it uh, tremendously. Of course, we've got sweet rewards. If you do, that's patreon.com slash beauty and the beta. Uh, and of course, we are hugely thankful to those of you who have decided to contribute to that. Uh, last logistical note, since we are traveling next weekend to our secret convention headquarters in Ohio, <laughs> yeah, a location undisclosed, don't try to show up there. Fans or terrorists. No, no one's welcome at that spot. Um, but we will not be doing our usual podcast next weekend because we will both be in route. Actually, we'll probably be driving at this time next Sunday night. Yep. Uh, so what we're going to do in lieu of that is an audio show or two from uh, our Ohio quarters. So if you're not subscribed on iTunes or SoundCloud, head over there, subscribe there. We're going to do some nightly recaps, uh, audio only, and then upload them there. You can listen to them. Uh, and we'll do that all week long, and hopefully we'll have stories directly from the war zone. We'll see if we are st indeed still alive and not, you know, we can hope for wounded status, but not dead, maybe. Yeah. There's a lot of hype. I've heard a lot of things. Yeah. Well, there is the list. The list of who's going to protest is a who's who of regressive crazies. So. I wonder if it'll come to fruition. I hate to say that I hope so, but. I, I, I expect insanity, as I think most of the people who have messaged, uh, messaged yeah. us agree. Um, but that's all I got. So, you know, on with the show, I think you and I agree. We want to just dive right into it. And of course, the big issue this week was uh, the police shootings earlier in the week of uh, Alton Sterling and Philando Castile. Apology if I mispronounce anything. Uh, and then, of course, the Black Lives Matter reaction, which included the murder and assault of several cops in Dallas. There were big protests in St. Paul and Baton Rouge last night where cops were assaulted, hundreds of people arrested. Um, so I, th I think what we want to do here, we want to review the facts, but more so, I think you and I want to have a solutions-based discussion. What, what are the problems here? Can we identify the problems? Can we articulate some solutions? Because everyone I see is just yelling, it's someone else's fault, but, but yeah. solutions are hard to come by. So, you know, everyone comes to us for the big uh, wise political answers of the day. We're going to provide those for you. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well yeah. Two senators of the future. You know? <laughs> we're so fucked. Everybody's fucked. Yeah. Everyone. Well, we're, we are screwed if that happens. <laughs> but um, just so we're clear, I want to establish the facts of everything uh, so people can understand where we're coming from when we talk about what the what we see as the issues and what we see as the solutions. So Real quick, let's just go through. I mean, we started with Alton, uh, Alton Sterling, 
Okay. And this was the guy shot in Baton Rouge earlier in the week. It was the famous video uh, clip of him on the ground, two officers on top of him, pistols to the chest. I think they said something to the effect of don't try to grab it or, you know, stop what you're doing essentially. What he was doing apparently wasn't stopped, at least in full, and he was shot dead uh, multiple times. Well, shot multiple times, causing his death. He didn't die multiple times, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> Killed um, 16 times. <laughs> right, right. That was the claim from that famous protester guy. God, man, I want to get that kid on the show, but he does not he's reply to me. He's getting some death threats. I've, oh. he, there was a Breitbart article about him, but uh, apparently he's like getting hunted down by some anti-Trump crowd. They're like, well, I'm going to come to your house and kill you and your family. He's like, whoa, I'm just a 16-year-old kid. Chill out. Well, he's survived this long, so we should ask him for tips. He is yeah. clearly a survivor of the uh, social justice onslaught. We need those survival skills when we're in Ohio. So yep. open invite. Come on the show. Well, or just tweet us or something because we're not doing a show next week. Anyway, <laughs> um, the, the story with Sterling is he, he was a guy who sold CDs outside of, of this particular store, this grocery store in Baton Rouge, and that's what he was doing the night he was killed. Apparently, there was a homeless man who came up and was pestering him. Hey, can I have some money? Sterling got annoyed and said, you know, I've told you to go away, go away. And he showed him a pistol. And the homeless man then goes and calls the cops and says, this guy is, uh, this guy has a gun. I, I don't know what the exact words were. This guy's brandishing a gun, something like that. But he calls the cops. Homeless guy calls the cops and says that cops show up. And what happens between the call to the police from the homeless guy and the video of the shooting is unclear. We don't know what happened, what happened with the confrontation between Alton Sterling and the police that remains unclear to my knowledge, based on the reports I've seen. Um, there's, there's a DOJ investigation ongoing. Uh, also of note, not that it's relevant in terms of deciding his guilt or innocence, but Mr. Sterling was, uh, did have a, a lengthy criminal record issues of domestic violence, burglary, carnal knowledge of a juvenile, which uh, is a charge for consensual sex with someone aged 13 to 17. So that can't stress enough mm -hmm. is not, it doesn't say he's guilty or innocent in this case, but it is an indicator of the, of well, was she 13 or was she 17? Cause if she was 17, I don't really care, but if she was 13, enough. that guy's disgusting. Close. Well, he's like 34. Four, or he's mid to late thirties anyhow, but this was, this charge I believe is a few years old. So it's not, it wasn't today. Anyway, the point Someone is, in the chat said she was 14. Okay. So that, yeah, that's an important fact. Um, but the point is we, we need to know about the person that we're dealing with. That's, that's the point of discussing his history. Um, Castile, Philando Castile. This one is the famous one out of Minnesota that happened the day after a viral video of his girlfriend in the passenger seat. And it starts with her looking uh, taping the cop, uh, you know, pistol pointed at uh, her boyfriend who is bleeding out. He has his white shirt is just stained in blood. She is incredibly calm. He is blacking out, bleeding out. And the cop is clearly distraught, say, you know, saying, I told you not to reach for it. He's he he seems out of his mind like he's incredibly stressed as you might be after just shooting a person dead. Um, yeah. Again, we don't see what led to the shooting. Um, if according to the girlfriend, what happened was they were pulled over for a broken taillight, and police off the the uh, Philando Castile informs the police officer, "Hey, I, I'm licensed to carry. I have a concealed carry permit. I uh, am carrying a pistol." Okay. And the police officer uh, asks to see his license and registration, or he's trying to provide that. It's unclear if the police officer actually asked for it. But as he's reaching for what the girlfriend says is license and registration, the, the officer apparently shoots him uh, is her account of the facts. Now, what's interesting to me is the cop screams. Um, one of the things he screams is, uh, I told him not to reach for it. He, he screams that in a very distraught yell. I told him not to reach for that. Yeah. So to me, that implies that the officer told him, okay, I mean, uh, took in the facts from him and said, okay, just don't move, whatever. Now, yeah. later in the video, the girlfriend also says the officer told, uh, told him not to move, and then he reached for um, his license and registration. So again, there's no video confirmation of this. To me, this seems like a, a tragic mistake, honestly. Like, he says, Hey, I've got a pistol. The officer says, okay, don't move. He moves and a tragic mistake is made. But again, facts developing. 
Yeah, that doesn't ring true to me. Also, she was so calm. She's just like, you know, documenting her boyfriend dying. Yeah. Like it, it was so important to her to get the footage. I would be flipping out if my boyfriend was dying right in front of me. That it would be well, the last thing I'd be worried about. Well, to her credit, I mean, the officer says all kinds of things like you need to do X, you need to do Y, and she complies fully. I mean, I I can't see anything that on her part that I think was yeah. wrong, to be honest. I mean, if she flips out, that only escalates the situation. I mean, imagine if she gets out and tries to go after the cop or, you know, tries to do something else that's crazy. I mean, I, I can't picture handling it any better than she did other than if you have a dispute with her filming it at all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he was Hispanic too, right? Correct. Yeah. She claims in the video that he was Chinese, but, um, this was, uh, <laughs> officer Geronimo, uh, Yanez. He was a Hispanic yeah. officer. Not that his race is relevant to me, but it might be relevant to some people. Um, okay. So, so we had two horrific shootings on consecutive days. And everyone gets really mad. And I think to some extent, justifiably so. I mean, in both of these cases, we don't have all the facts yet, but it, it, it is entirely possible these were wrongful killings, in which case I think you and I would both hope for uh, full prosecution of the officers involved to the right. fullest extent of the law, to of the course. extent there was misconduct. But we don't know that there was, but okay, go out and protest, I get it. What I don't get is killing police officers, which is what happened in Dallas. So we have, uh, apparently, so there were originally four suspects arrested. I think the three were released and not charged. The one, uh, culprit was killed and his name was Micah Johnson. And he killed five police officers, wounded seven at a black lives matter protest in Dallas. And there are a lot of cruel ironies here. I mean, of course it's not, it's beyond cruel to kill innocent police officers for any purpose, but, but particularly with the Dallas police department, there's some cruel ironies I'll get into. Um, well, actually I'll just get into them right now. So Dallas, Dallas PD is run by a black chief. Did you think uh, Micah Johnson knew that? Probably not. I'd imagine. No idea. I mean, he, he told a, a hostage negotiator, I'm, I want to kill white people. That was his self professed motive. I want to kill mm. white people. Um, for, so, so you have a, a police force run by a black police, uh, police chief again, not that the race matters to me, but to some people it does. I think yeah, it's totally I, I, relevant. Right. So, uh, I was reading about this earlier, apparently, um, a week or so, not a week, a year or so ago, there was a white house, uh, task force that was established on best practices for race relations for police departments. And it was a group of civil rights activists and police officers and law enforcement. And all these people got together at the White House, put together this task force, created a list of recommendations that a lot of police departments have not yet adopted if they ever will. But by the way, guess who adopted these best practices? I'll give you one. What? <laughs> D Dallas. Oh, sorry, I was in the live chat for a second. No, you're cool. That's yeah. I mean, we love you live chat, but you distract the hell out of us. <laughs> Gotta stay out of the live chat. You're ruining the show. <laughs> um, you live chatters. No, we appreciate you guys. Um, what did you say? Sorry. Say so, it okay. So, so to, um, what I was saying was there was a white house task force that was created by the president. Uh, and it was a group of civil rights activists, law enforcement people. They all got together and created these kind of recommendations for best practices for police departments, for race relations. Right. Not a lot of police departments have adopted these best practices, but guess who did? Dallas adopted them. Yeah. Dallas. Yeah. Dallas did. And, and interestingly enough, I don't know if this was part of the, uh, the task, the task force recommendations or not, but the officers who were killed were not in riot gear. Why? Goodwill gesture to the protesters. You know, they're, they're less armored. They're less protected. Right. They're there to protect black lives matter protests itself. And they are killed in that action. How tragic. It seemed like awful. this was highly planned, but they were all also being opportunistic. So maybe oh, yeah. it, it was irrelevant that it was the Dallas police. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I think it would have been anywhere where the next Black Lives Matter protest was. Yeah, I, that's definitely an interesting debate. Was this like the, the straw that broke the camel's back or is this an opportunistic guy who was trying to take advantage of it? Now, they, they, 
a lot of people make a lot of the fact that he they they searched his apartment. He had a whole bunch of ammunition and apparently some bomb making stuff too. This is a former um, army reservist. He did a tour in Afghanistan, though he did not see combat. Um, oh, I didn't know he, he didn't see any combat. No, he was part of an engineering unit in the reserves. Huh. Apparently, uh, that that's what the reports I've seen say. But, yeah. you know, whether you've seen combat or not, to me is like, well, it's not uncommon for a, a, a military to, personnel to have rifles and ammunition. So right. I, I don't know that I take that as an indicator of pre-planning, um, but I won't be surprised if this was opportunistic either. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It's probably a combination of both. Um, but he did know the layout of the parking garage and, mm. you know, he knew where to station himself, where police were going to be where he was going to get the most kills um, and to, mit, to hit five people that are moving targets. I mean, he, he had pretty good firearms training. Yeah. And not that I, I, I debated whether we wanted to talk about a lot of fringe reactions because there's horrific videos of, of Black Lives Matter protesters kind of dancing, cops, and- dancing, tweeting horrible things like to the guy who did it. Great job. Good aim. Oh, yeah. Did you That's see what, what his cunt sister put on Facebook? No. Oh, but she if you're had, dropping like, this... the C word, it must have been bad. <laughs> well, it was like right after. And she's like, you know, cops are pigs, murderers. I'm so proud of my brother that he did this. You should read it. It was enraging. Ooh. But it, yeah, it was. Really I mean, bad. that that it that kind of suggests a degree of pre-planning, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, because if, if it was just out of the blue, who she wouldn't react that way if it was out of the blue. It clearly wasn't out of the blue. I mean, he had been developing uh this set of viewpoints i'm sure for years and years um yeah and and his sister was exactly the same way so you know he had some support with this fringe belief Ugh. um let's see what else did i have on him the only other relevant fact on him is he had no criminal history uh i just wanted to note that as well there were some sexual harassment allegations in the military he allegedly stole panties panties kind of creepy but he was not convicted of a criminal offense. If panty stealing can be a criminal offense. I want that on the record though. <laughs> you know Johnson, it's a criminal offense gag. What's the joke here? Um, I mean, at some point, presumably he was a private, right? Can we make a private Johnson panty joke? I don't know. We'll it's leave in that there out somewhere. There. Leave that out for you guys to decide. And his name was Private Johnson. I mean, okay. <laughs> if he was indeed a private, who knows? I don't know what his rank was at the time. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. We're moving on. Um, the... Pr- <laughs> And then, of course, so all of this happens then in the communities of St. Paul um, and Baton Rouge, where uh, Philando Castile and and Alton Sterling were murdered, respectively. There were big time protests last night. So in St. Paul last night, they blocked I-94, which is a major interstate um, through the Twin Cities there. Um, They also threw objects and liquid and rocks and a Molotov cocktail at police officers in St. Paul. There were 21 injuries, 102 arrests last night in St. Paul. Baton Rouge, by comparison, was uh, apparently more peaceful, but there were still 101 arrests. Interestingly, 19 were from out of state, one of whom was this apparently prominent Black Lives Matter activist, DeRay McKesson, who was detained and he live-streamed his arrest. I don't know who he is, but he's apparently a big name in the Black Lives Matter community. Mm. So there, there are the facts. And um, I think you and I are in agreement that of one of the many things about Black Lives Matter that is annoying to us is the perpetual screaming about the problem with uh, a lacking of practical solutions. So I I anticipate we're going to scream a little bit about the problem, (laughs) but I hope we have those practical solutions that we were discussing earlier too. It's going to be trial and error. I mean, but we can discuss like what led up to the black community being so disgruntled and then, you know, find what problems can be solved just by talking about that. So I know you made a video about this or tangentially related to that topic um, that was posted last night. Um, so yeah. I mean, if you want to if you want to diagnose the problem, since you've been thinking about that lately. I mean, I've, I've been thinking about it a lot. I actually wrote a whole different script yesterday and then scrapped it because I was like, ah, I want to talk about this Black Lives Matter thing. But um, it just seemed like this was kind of the convergence of all sorts of gripes from the black community and then decades and decades of um, a liberal agenda being pushed on them and liberal policies being enacted. And so I think that like the combination of being welfare dependent, single motherhood, you know, mass incarceration, um, 
that paired with, you know, the people that they rely on solely um, for basic necessities, telling them that this is all because of longstanding white oppression, which is kind of true, but, you know, it's of the left. They think it's like the Christian right that's doing all this shit to them because they're racist. Um, there's nobody more racist than the left. The bigotry of low expectations is real. I mean, affirmative action programs, yeah. welfare, they're like, you, can't, you people can't deal with your own community. You have to take the handouts we give you because you're so incompetent. And, and that, realization, that realization didn't happen to me until the social justice rising that you know we've dealt with over the last year or two. Yeah. Because outside of the fringe clan members, um, and ultra nationalists who are, I would, I would estimate smaller in population than social justice warriors, black lives matter, any of that stuff. I don't know anyone more racist than those people. And yeah. I, I, I qualify that by saying, yes, I get it that some races have historically faced racism and oppression more than others. So historically it's not the same. I get it. But we're talking about prejudice against people on the basis of the color of their skin and the reason that we stopped doing that is because we've all agreed that that's a bad idea and whether it's oppressive or not historically is irrelevant to the fact that we're judging people's character on something stupid on something that they can't change on something they were born with let's move on this this i don't know the I get so frustrated with this issue because these are the people who care most about the color of skin uh, of people's skin. Yeah, not, they're not the, the most least. racist people. And I talk about this all the time, but I think that race is a superficial issue. What I care about is value alignment and value alignment and like who has a tr high trust factor with one another. Um, those are highly correlated to race and culture. And so, you know, you can kind of skirt the racism issue if you just talk about that. But um, I mean, there's something to be said for it. People need to examine it. Yeah. Well, I mean, unfortunately, examining the statistics that describe the problem is um, racist, as you and I have dealt with on Twitter. Yeah. You know who you are yeah. over the last <laughs> week or so. Um, th yeah. the, the problem, the problems that plague the black community are described and demonstrable through statistics. I mean, we have yes. low income, we have crime, we have low educational attainment, we have a lot of pro we have uh, the breakdown of families that we can measure. We have all of these problems. Yeah. Those are problems that create the types of things that that put people in bad situations with police officers. Yeah. And we we need to the same thing with Islam, man. Fixing the problem requires correctly diagnosing the problem. That wasn't yeah, phrased. Absolutely. That, that wasn't phrased as beautifully I as I, I hoped, but <laughs> if we want to fix it, we have to correctly diagnose the problem. That yeah. is the first step. And when the problem is politically uncomfortable, when the problem is like unfortunately as it is in this case kind of drawn along racial lines what of course and yeah let me qualify of course the color of your skin has nothing to do with it nobody's making a causal claim that dark skin makes you commit crime or dark skin lowers your income or dark skin um you know makes you lowers your opportunity for educational attainment it's not the skin color it's a series of socioeconomic factors that go along with that well this is why people shit their pants about the race and iq thing though like my comment section is like totally lit about this um, because people are like, you can't prove that race determines IQ. And I'm like, I'm not trying to say that. I'm trying right. to say that metadata has correlations that while they might not imply causation, they're overlapping and it's, it's a lot right. of very strong evidence that there is a lower IQ in the black community and the Latino and, community, and both are higher crime. I mean... People and with low neither IQs, one of us would argue that way. Yeah, and, and people hear that and they think you're describing a causal relationship. Melanin means bad outcomes. And of course, no. that's not what you're arguing. You're right. observing what is true. And the problem is to correct those, to correct those problems, crime, um, you know, low education, those sorts of things. We have to get at some solutions to solve those because it's not the right. melanin. It's the opportunity, quite in exactly. my, from my perspective. Exactly. It's opportunity. And so... Yeah. My big solution, number one, because I want to dive into these solutions. I've been, I've been teasing our big practical solutions this whole time. Skag's final solution. Everybody yeah. listen. <laughs> hey, <laughs> save the Holocaust jokes for later. Um, <laughs> good jobs. Okay. The, the, to me, this is issue number one. Can, you, can we figure out a way to get good jobs into these impoverished communities, into the inner city? If you have a good job with a stable income, a livable income, you're not out committing crime except for the fringe. If you right. have a good job, it solves almost everything. 
It's it, it, you're not, you're not likely to be a criminal. You're not likely to be doing bad things. You're probably going to get smarter to be honest. I mean, it, I view good jobs as, as basically a, a fix all. And I know that's the easy solution, but it's true. Problem is I don't know how we do it because the left's answer has traditionally been like, you know, public investment. So let's tax these people and invest it into these inner cities so they can have good jobs. Um, I don't know if that's the answer. Can, can we do, can we give some incentive for employers to enter the inner city? I mean, they already are no, in these, these I mean, big we've cities. we've tried but... so many of these things, but these are systemic problems in the black community that can only be solved by the black community. Like there is okay. no implementation of like any white liberal or conservative policy that is going to change like cultural characteristics integral to defining what the black community is. Like these people don't give a shit about education. It is really high crime. 72% single motherhood um, for every baby born. Like, what, what, can, what can we do about that besides stopping the incentive program for having, you know, single mothers? Mm. Um, we can't reestablish the nuclear family. This is something the black community has to do, which is why I have a real problem about this culture of victimization, because it just perpetuates the left feeding these people, you know, and, and supplying them with all the things that they need, and so they never have to you know, reach down and find their balls and like make their community better because they can just yeah. coast. And this I, is, I, the left knew that they were doing this. I mean, they knew they were going to make them government dependent and they knew that they would have a voting block indefinitely. That, <laughs> that I would have always viewed that as like a super cynical, almost tinfoil hattish outlook. But, but as this perpetuates, it's getting harder to I know. deny, or at least hard not to take seriously and take a second look at. And the part that you're getting at that is most uncomfortable that I think pretty much everyone on the left is unwilling to acknowledge is that, and I, I do think that we as a society can do better at getting good opportunity into these impoverished communities. I think that's what society can offer to these impoverished places. Now that's yeah. part of the problem, but the, the uncomfortable part that the left will not acknowledge is that there is a self-perpetuating part of the problem in that community themselves. I do agree with you that there probably are cultural issues at play right. here. And I think the attitude, exactly as you said, victim culture needs to convert to a culture of initiative, in, in my exactly. opinion. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, the I left don't is I don't always know how trying to, to articulate deny that, yeah. that people respond to incentives. Like, like their whole spiel is just about denying human nature. You know, women working instead of having kids, uh, things like that. Like, they, they just, they will not admit or enact any policy that supports that people respond to incentives, which is basic yeah. human nature. And, They're like, and, it's not that we're giving all these people this, you know, all this money. That, that has nothing to do with it. And interestingly, so, you know, we were talking about our solutions and just before the show, I was thinking like, well, okay, we have our solutions. Surely Black Lives Matter has to have solutions, right? I mean, maybe I'm not being fair to them by saying all they do is bitch <laughs> about everything and rah, rah, we're really angry and yell. I must be, it's possible that I'm overlooking some well-articulated solutions they have posted. So I took a, took a visit over to the old blacklivesmatter.com. Uh, I want to put that up on the screen because what you're talking about and what I'm talking about, which is some of these uncomfortable, uncomfortable cultural and family aspects that need to be addressed are, uh, discussed on the website, but not in the way that you might think. So let me put that up here. God, this pisses um, me off. Yeah. Because I was looking at, you know, kind of their, their issues and, and solutions page here. We affirm that all lives matter, or all black lives matter. Of course, of course they wouldn't say all lives matter. What am I doing? Um, <laughs> It has a lot of the crap that I would expect to see. Diversity, everyone's included. If you're handicapped, it's cool. If you're trans, it's cool. If you're queer, it's cool. Okay, but those that's all fluff and love. That's not, I mean, yeah. no amount of like, I love the trans people is going to solve the problems we're talking about. So I started looking at some of the other issues here. Okay, families and villages. That's some of the stuff we're talking about. Would it, would it be possible that this website is willing to acknowledge... Um, some of the cultural breakdown and the fact that there are a lot of single mothers and the fact that, um, you know, not having a father growing up is, is I, I'm, I don't know what to reference, but I would be comfortable saying that's probably linked to crime uh, statistically. Anyway, this, this black villages part, we are committed. Actually, let me get this on screen, make sure. So if you flip this over, we are committed to disrupting the Western prescribed nuclear family structure required requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively collectively care for one another, and especially our children to the degree that matters. Parents and children are comfortable. I mean, that this is, is so a, stupid. This is a rejection of of the family structure. 
Yeah, yeah. I would agree that, like... They just are going to keep making more demands, um, whether or not it's good for their community. They just think that they're owed, you know, reparations on, like, a grand scale. They don't give a shit about fixing the problems in their community. They just want more. More stuff from white people. This really pisses me off, because uh, resurrecting the nuclear family would solve, like, a litany of the problems in the black community. And of course it's awesome. Like if, you know, I'm not a parent as I've described many times, but when I am, when that day comes, it will be great if, if the neighbors here are cool and nice and I can say, Hey, look, I've got something going on tonight. Would you guys be willing to babysit my child? You know, of course, some aspects of, of communal parenting are great. I want to have good neighbors who are looking out for my back and watch and watching my family's back just as I'll watch theirs because I want to be a contributing part of this community and this society. Absolutely. But to reject the (laughs) nuclear family as Western prescribed, that, ooh. I mean, that to me, that's, that's not only wrong, but it's just a full, like, fingers in ears denial of the problem that is, is plaguing the community. Yeah, it has nothing to do with single motherhood, really. Well, and then are there, you serious? I want to put this back up too because they almost contradict themselves. They have the black again. I looked at black families and I was thinking, well, this maybe they, maybe there's an honest acknowledgement of the problem here. Um, we are committed to making our spaces family friendly and enable parents to fully participate with their children. We are committed to dismantling the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts that require them to mother in private, even as they participate in justice work. <laughs> so we're committed to making our spaces family friendly, but if you reject the, the need for the family, I mean, aren't all space, if it's communal family, I guess, aren't all spaces just family spaces by default? I don't really get it. If you reject the family structure, then what's the point of making your spaces accommodating for the family structure? I, I don't know. It's a minor point, but it just doesn't really make sense to me. What else is on here? Like like I said, it's just... Um... Black women. Let's see what that says. Okay. We are committed to building a black women affirming space free of sexism, misogyny, and male-centeredness. Male-centeredness. That's also nonsense. Um, the black community has been destroyed by feminism. I think feminism has hit that community harder um, than maybe any other community. I mean, when you think about like the angry, independent woman, who is a better representation than the average you know, modern black woman? I mean, who? So that's probably why we see all of these men, um, black men moving to Islam and why they're so right for the picking as far as appealing to Black Lives Matter is concerned. I wish I the the dying liberal in me wants to be (laughs) with Black Lives because I I can agree insofar as I I mean there is still a raw deal I think for you know for impoverished communities I don't think it has much to do with the color of skin I think it has to do with the lack of opportunity in place where you grew up I want to agree with them to that extent but the, the the deal the social contract contract is equal opportunity for everyone but hey it's on you to take advantage of that opportunity and right. and black lives matter to me and i invite any black lives matter person who wants to come on the show and tell me why i'm wrong they need to fulfill their end of the deal of taking advantage of that opportunity and not just pointing fingers it's that white guy's fault it's that white guy's fault it's that cop's fault now to the point where they're shooting cops and i know the black lives matter people would would deny that guy's involvement with black lives matter it's uh, whatever he was at the protest he was doing the same stuff he does all the same like black power things he tweets all the same things yeah and terrorist attacks have nothing to do with islam right i mean that's the same kind of argument uh, i don't want to be I don't want to be called a racist for saying you need to take advantage of the opportunities afforded to you, but this is the world that we live in. It's either pro-terrorism at this point. I mean, this is effectively terrorism or racist. I have to choose between pro-terrorist or racist. And that's really the case with Islam too. Well, I shouldn't overspeak there, but let's (laughs) say like, I mean, uh, granted, not all, not all Muslims are terrorists, but look, Islam has a huge influence on terrorism. Let's be honest there. So it's, I have to be, dishonest about the problem of terrorism or I have to be a racist. These are the choices that are presented. And unfortunately I have to choose racist these days as labeled by people that think that's the case, I guess. Does that still hurt your feelings? No. Um, no, no, no. Because Does anything hurt your feelings anymore? Um, yeah, I don't want to go down this road too much. Um, <laughs> the comment section, it's cancer. No, I guess what what hurts my feelings is like, cause I, I am still learning on the production end of things. 
like how to make videos look good, how to make them yeah. sound good, how to make this show look good and sound good. So when someone with technical knowledge like kind of gives me, a, even though it's constructive criticism and I welcome that, I'm always like, ah, I feel like an idiot because I shouldn't. So it's not related to these social issues. It's like, I want to make stuff that's awesome. And this person who knows better about making awesome stuff than I do yeah. humbled me. And that makes me sad. <laughs> It's okay. We it's a trial and error. We're gonna get better with each, DIY. each episode. Always DIY. Yep. Totally. Um now that we're going off on some other topic. Uh, what else? What else, what do else we do have, I have on, on Black Lives Matter? Um you had a, a few more solutions that we haven't discussed. Uh and I, there's a couple more issues <laughs> I wanted to talk about this too, but did you wanna so you had these you had these uh, solutions in the notes about nonviolent drug offenders, minimum wage, affirmative action, education. Um, nonviolent drug offenses. Uh, if well, the the supposition there is that if black men are released from prison for being nonviolent drug offenders, that then they'll be present fathers. But I don't think that's really the case. I think that absentee fatherhood is a cultural issue that mm. is related to incarceration, but incarceration is not really the cause of it. Um, so I don't really know if that would help. But the other solutions, um, have we talked about minimum wage at all today? I don't think so. I don't think you and I have. <clears throat> um, minimum wage, it displaces the lowest skilled sector of workers so that they become hmm. chronically unemployed. So when you implement you know, a price floor like that, um, there's going to be waste in the labor market. So that's a really dangerous thing to do. It, it really hits the black community hard. In every city, they implement minimum wage. The higher it is, the worse it is. Um, so removing that, I think, would bring back some of the volume of the unskilled um, labor force in the black community. Um, that, that's officially in the Democratic Party platform now, too, is the $15 minimum wage. That's that insane. Was, that was just that's added. Insane. First of all, people that are unskilled do not deserve $15 an hour. They just don't. And everyone's like, well, you can't support yourself or your family on a McDonald's salary. Well, yeah, you shouldn't be able to. <laughs> I mean, why? Who says I, that you should be able to support an entire family on an unskilled, one unskilled salary? I mean, I, I have a few pushbacks on that, but maybe we'll, um, we could save that for another episode too. But, and I understand exactly where you're coming from. I think the one thing that, that, and I fully concede that given your background, you're probably more well-versed on these issues than I am. But the question I have is, you know, in the case of fast food, for example, because a lot of this $15 minimum wage stuff is, is in the setting of fast food. We have an economy, right, that's created demand for hundreds of thousands of these jobs, such that that demand can't be filled by the high school summer job worker kid. Like these jobs are going to have to be filled by full-time adults, given the demand that exists. That's just the there's no one else to do the jobs. I mean, unless maybe the math works out some other way, but to me, it's like, if we're going to fulfill that demand, um, we're going to have to put full-time adults in, in those places of work. If there are full-time adults in those places of work, they're going to have families or they're going to need medical care. They're going to need this, or they're going to need that. Ultimately those goods are going to be consumed or they're going to have to be provided. Is it going to be the state through Medicaid or through other social safety nets that provides for them? Or is it going to be McDonald's or whoever the employer is? That's the question that I have. It's like, given but those the... aren't necessary. Like one isn't, you know, the only necessary alternative for the other. Like, I think that, you know, minimum wage laws are also, they're another disincentive for people to seek higher education to, you know, and with affirmative action laws, uh, there's no reason that if you're black and you're ambitious that you can't go to basically any school of your choosing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so, and, and these companies anyway, especially in fast food, they're just going to replace all these workers with, with robots and stuff. Yeah. Like they, they have ways well, of just diminishing their labor force so they don't have to deal with it. And I they'll mean, continue I, to do that. There's a lot of ingenuity. I am all in favor of education as a, as a good public investment. Now I'm not fully, I'm not a Bernie bot and like free college for everyone, but I would like to remove as many obstacles as possible to financing right. education for those who want to take advantage of the opportunity. Mm -hmm. If you, if you, again, if you want to show the initiative and you want to get educated and you want to be the best version of yourself that you can be, absolutely. I would hope that we have a country that makes that possible, whether, however we reform federal lending practices or whoever we encourage private financial institutions to make it as affordable as possible all for that absolutely yeah i mean but i'm hypocritical though. i don't even know why i brought that up because i think we should also eliminate affirmative action in its entirety i mean we're just oh, yeah. shitting on meritocracy Ooh. um 
We are. And I we think, no, I'm, I'm probably inclined to agree with you on that, to be honest. I don't know how I would square that with pretty much like square support for it with a lot of the other yeah. things that I hold to be um, true. I just want, I just want to make sure that everyone has equal opportunity. The people would argue, the people who are pro affirmative action would argue that like there isn't equal opportunities to stack decks. So we have to have this to, to equalize that. I'm not prepared to make that argument, but, um, but when I think yeah. about these things, I always think about them in terms of like net societal waste. And so affirmative action, when you match somebody with a, in a competitive academic environment that they cannot, you know, achieve the status quo, they'll become increasingly disheartened and it's going to affect their career prospects when they, when they have a higher dropout rate because they couldn't compete. So affirmative yeah. action is not helping black people. It's just, you know, depressing their, their further career options by increasing the dropout rate. Yeah. And I remember you and I talked about it in one of the first episodes, one of the Genesis Did episodes we? of this wonderful show. <laughs> no, but one of the things you said that sticks with me too, and this is one of those things that I don't have the classic social justice line. You don't understand my experience. Right. But this is a case <laughs> where I, I think it's kind of true is like you had mentioned that you wonder in an educational setting, am I here because I legitimately earned it? Or am I here because of my gender? And oh, yeah, if you're, I was talking if you're about an, the economics department. Yeah, and if you're an African-American student or another minority student, I, I think having to wonder that sucks. And maybe, you, you know, the counter is like, well, yeah, but the opportunity is vastly outweighs, the, the opportunity itself outweighs the self-doubt in your head. But man, I wouldn't, yeah. if I was in college, anything I've done academically, professionally, I don't want to, th even this show, right? Like I wouldn't have want to have this show be like, well, um, do people enjoy this show or did they listen because of the color of this? I, that would suck. Yeah. I don't want that. That's so. true. Um, but you know, the opportunity does outweigh that. And like, I have female privilege that I that I take advantage of all the time. I think that people just kind of use the available resources and skill set uh, to be opportunistic and to advance themselves as much as they possibly can. And I think that every person is like that. Hmm. So if you're black and you're educated, then you know fucking take advantage of affirmative action right now. Get in while the getting's good. Go to an Ivy League school. Do it. I wanted to take a question we had while well, I remember here. We got a good question just before the show that kind of fits into what we're talking about here. And it's from viewer Mikey. Um, so you probably haven't even read this before the show because he emailed me when I was oh, taking I notes. Like, oh, you did? Okay, great. Yeah. But I wanted to read it because I thought it was a pretty good question. It fits right it in with what we're talking about. It made me laugh. It was about. funny too. I'm, I'm an African-American and my girlfriend is white, so I got to say I have full knowledge of the ups and downs of both worlds. And with all the violence in this past week, how do you two personally feel that there's now a social climate that's in the midst, uh, that's in the midst that says you're white. You can't speak on the ills of not only police brutality, but the state of the black community, despite the, despite facts and video proof. Um, our Lord and hot sauce savior says you have to incessantly listen to us, bitch. Who's he referencing there though? I actually don't get that joke. I don't Mikey, if you're listening, get at me on Twitter and tell me who the, or via email, um, who the Lord and hot sauce savior is. Cause I don't know. He's offended for us though. So that's awesome. Um, keep it up. Yeah. All lives up. Black lives matter down signed biggest Mikey. I, I have a reaction to this, but I'll yield the floor to, to you if you want to kick it um, off. You're white. You can't speak on the ills of not only police brutality. I mean, I guess that's true, but I'm also kind of in a headspace where like, I'm going to talk about whatever I want, regardless of who it pisses off. So this isn't affecting me too much. Um, but there is that general attitude. But I think it's like that for all things. People always say, like, you can't talk about things you don't understand in your personal experience. Yeah. Which is bullshit, because then every historian would be worthless, you know. Like Sam Harris, he knows so much about Islam, but he, he can't talk about it because he didn't personally experience any of this. That, that's he, bullshit. You know? He can't ask. I mean, that was Ben Affleck. That was the, yeah, that, I mean, literally before that famous clip, he was like, oh, so you're the expert on Islam now? And, and, and Sam calmly is like, uh, well, I mean, I am very educated on the topic. Yes. Uh, and he, I mean, like, I, but of course to Ben, everyone else is racist, but Ben's looking at him being like, hey. Look at that guy's skin color. He can't know things about this. I mean, the absurdity of that clip. I've referenced it so many times because that, and I was listening to Dave Rubin talk about it too, but that is the time where the liberal, that if, if there's a point at which the liberal in me started being like, whoa, 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 this is getting weird, guys. That was it. Yeah. And it's been in decline ever since. Um, yeah. When I People read the this. People in the live chat are saying the hot sauce um, savior is Hillary. Oh. Hmm. I don't, I still don't get the reference. You're like, though. you guys should know that. What's wrong with you? I guess, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I, yeah, whatever. Um, I'll have to look it up. 
or send me memes or whatever if there's i don't know it's, explain the joke to me because i still i'm just, i don't know whatever um when i read this this is just an articulation of identity politics to me and identity politics is cancer it's the basis for all the social justice stuff you, you know if you're x y or z you have to think in terms of x y and z and if you're not that you can't talk about it um and this got me thinking a little bit too based on a tweet that i saw from my lord and savior not the hot sauce lord and savior but my lord and savior milo Yiannopoulos, of course, on Twitter. And he, and I was thinking about this as like, um, the reason identity politics is so gross to me and I don't like it and it's counterproductive is it's in, we have a democratic system, right? We solve problems together and not in factions. My dad was texting me right before the show and he texted me a Paul Wellstone quote, uh, quote the late Senator Paul Wellstone, we all do better when we all do better. And that's pretty Ain't simple. Ain't that the truth? And, and I wish we would solve these problems democratically. And then I'm thinking, well, I just saw the Milo tweet too that explains why this identity politics and SJWism don't jive with the democratic solutions and the idea that we're all in it together. I want to put it up on screen here. It's all about division, that's why. But, but Milo tweeted um, uh, today, uh, different SJW factions ultimately cannot exist together. They are totalitarians. They work together when convenient, but hate each other. Yeah. That's why this Toronto gay pride thing, like, just oh, made God. me feel so warm and fuzzy on the inside. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, they are going to have mutiny within their own groups and they're going to cannibalize themselves. This is, could not be. They, they are. They are. Absolutely. Someone gave me a metaphor for them. There's a name for that snake that eats its own tail. I forget what it's called. But that is what social justice movements are. That's the snake it's eating so its true. own tail. It's consuming itself. Um but I, I, I could go on. That issue really stuck. With, that incident in Toronto really stuck with me because it was depressing and hilarious at the same time. Yeah. But with oh, our remaining moment. time, I want to get into the hot sauce lord, if I'm calling her. The right oh, thing. and people in the live chat also said because Hillary once said that she always carries hot sauce in her purse. I don't remember this. But. Oh, yeah. Isn't she a big fan of like Frank's or something? Or am I? Oh. I'm trying to remember. I think that that is. Was she thing. trying to appeal to the black community, or did she actually carry hot sauce in her purse? I, I don't know. Or maybe it was sriracha. I don't remember. We're piecing this together, chat. Thank you for clearing this <laughs> in. We're making a better show together, a more informed show on the big issues, the key issues of the day. Um, like who likes Frank's hot sauce? <laughs> but you know, there you go, uh, U.S. Congress. If you want the problem, if you want to solve the problem of race relations and uh, economic inequality, and all that. We're available because, spoiler alert, neither of us have jobs right now. That's news to me. But <laughs> we're available. Um, Perpetually. Yeah. We're investing in ourselves. Let's, I'm going to put it that way. Yeah, we're totally. investing in I'm ourselves. Like, Mom, I quit my job spectacularly <laughs> to work on my YouTube channel. She's like, okay. I was like, are you, are you serious right now? Yes. I didn't tell yes. her for weeks. Um, <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, I want to talk about the emails because you also made a video on the emails. And I, I, I wanted to pay a lot of attention to this. And then as soon as I was going to, all this other like shootings and Black Lives oh, Matter I stuff know. broke out. So it's I've been, been a little bit behind. Week. But essentially, to recap the facts, uh, there's been an ongoing investigation of Hillary Clinton's storage of emails while Secretary of State on a private server, which of course is a problem because there's confidential information that could be leaked to anyone. All of this, if you're Secretary of State, not only do we need to see those emails as a matter of or we need to have those emails housed in a public place as a matter of, of public disclosure where appropriate. So you and I or anyone yeah. can request those emails that can be released. But we also need to make sure the terrorists can't see them. So they should not be on a, a server in your basement or anywhere else. And that is what Hillary Clinton did. The FBI has been investigating this for a long time to see if uh, laws were violated and, and whether bringing charges would be appropriate or not. And this week, finally, FBI Director James Comey comes out and says, here's what we found and here's our recommendation. And, and curiously, the findings are she done fucked up. Oh, and the yeah. recommendation is, but it's cool. Um, Ain't that the truth? The stuff that was coming out of his mouth, I couldn't believe it. And when he started talking about um, her, he, he didn't say gross negligence, obviously. What did he say? Extreme carelessness. Carelessness, yeah. I was like, oh, it's going to happen. It's going it, to happen. I, if I could ask him, it's like, explain the distinction between negligence and carelessness, uh, please. And yeah, I, I, granted, I have I'm a rudimentary a knowledge and... of the law, but like, yeah. you know, there's such a thing as criminal negligence. If you, if you get really wasted and kill somebody, like, you're still going to get some sort of manslaughter charge, aren't you? But what if you carelessly get wasted or not <laughs> negligently? Um, I want to play, I want to couch our con or establish our conversation in the context of, of what he found against what Hillary said. 
because she lied about almost everything of consequence in this, in this issue. And I want to share that. So let me cue that up. Uh, here we go. I'll play it now. I did not email any um, classified material to anyone. There is no classified material. 110 emails in 52 email chains have been determined by the owning agency to contain classified information at the time they were sent or received. I provided all my emails that could possibly be work-related. Several thousand work-related emails that were not among the group of 30,000 emails returned by Secretary Clinton. I thought using one device would be simpler. She also used numerous mobile devices to send and to read email. There were no security breaches. It is possible that hostile actors gained access to Secretary Clinton's personal email account. It was my practice to communicate with State Department and other government officials on their .gov accounts. That hostile actors gained access to the private commercial email accounts of people with whom Secretary Clinton was in regular contact from her personal account. Um, no doubt that we've done exactly what we should have done. They were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. People will be able to judge for themselves. We cannot find a case that would support bringing criminal charges on these facts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. To be clear, this is not to suggest that in similar circumstances, a person who engaged in this activity would face no consequences. Americans will find that uh, you know, interesting, and I look forward to having a discussion uh, about that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, aside from the issue of is what she did criminal or not, I guess really the big distinction, again, this is me taking a stab at legalese, but there was no finding of malice, right? It was just, it was not an, an intentional act by Hillary. It was one of negligence or as he calls it, extreme carelessness, which of course uh, we should care about. But she, I mean, I don't know that I've seen a worse montage of a politician completely lying over and over and over again. Oh, I know. And the thing I don't understand about intent is, isn't the very act of creating like a network of home servers too obscure, you know, the content of your emails, isn't that in and of itself an act like demonstrating intent? I guess the question How is that I, not? I, I, I mean, don't... what else was on the server? I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I mean, to me, it'd be like, if you could show that that's all they were for, absolutely. But maybe yeah. if like you use it for this and that, and then you also had this on there, because that's, by the way, it's, you know, it's your only your job to run yeah. the U.S. State Department. So you throw that on there, too, because. And she knew that her attorneys would be able to first review her emails and she knew that they wouldn't read all them. They would only keyword search. And so if you look at the headers, she was like very strategic about what she said, uh, like word wise in the headers and in the body of the emails to avoid the keyword search. So I'm fairly certain she got about ten to 15,000 emails that were work-related emails to be classified as personal emails by her attorneys, and then she said that those were deleted. So yeah. Comey even admitted that, that there were a ton, probably thousands and thousands of emails that were not personal, they were declared as personal, and they were wiped. He and said I, this. And I'm still it. unclear, to your point about, like, isn't the server in and of itself a, a demonstration of intent? Yeah, I'm not a lawyer. I, I, I don't really understand, you know, negligence. I, I need someone with Hillary's camp, and maybe they have explained it. I don't know, but why? Like, what what was your purpose in doing that? Is it just like a convenience thing, or she says it's convenience, but that's that's nonsense. I mean, how could your own personal convenience outweigh the security of the United States, though? I, I mean, know. How and we're going to give her the highest make security that, clearance after this. How could you possibly make that argument? I mean, I, I understand that, like. Oh, my job's easier when I do it in a cushy chair. My job's easier when I have a water cooler right outside and all those like conveniences you want with your job. But why is it so, I mean, in this day and age of technology, why is it so hard to connect to any server provided you have the appropriate security clearance to do that? I don't understand. Someone from the camp needs to explain to me what, what the benefit at stake here is and how that, I mean, even if you could show me that this, the server, her private server is every bit as or more secure than a, than a government server, why? I, I don't understand why. I don't even get how it's more convenient. Like your, your device can, uh, maybe not. Maybe you can't connect remotely. Maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe she like 
has to be at a specific place to connect. I don't know. I don't get it. That can't, that can't be true. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. And then he said that she probably got hacked. He's like, well, we don't know if she got hacked, but a bunch of people that she was communicating with did definitely get hacked. It's like, yeah, she fucking got hacked. We just handed all of these emails and all this information over to like, and the other interesting thing too, is like the people (laughs) that are like, oh, case closed. And you know, we move on like, yeah, I get it. The, the investigation has run its course, but your argument is that like, well, she's just a buffoon. That's all elect Hillary. Like, okay, maybe it's not criminal, but your, your reason for dismissal is like, (laughs) oh, that Hillary, just not understanding how things work, not understanding how, uh, confidential secrets of the United States government work. She should and be president. Buffoonery doesn't no. even get Trump out of shit. Yeah, I know. he's like well, the king yeah. buffoon. Trump's buffoonery cannot stand, but <laughs> um, Hillary's buffoonery. Well, hey. um, Crazy old I, woman. She didn't but, know. You know, I, I was thinking about this too. I think that this is actually a best case scenario for Trump. What happened? Yeah. And I think that for two reasons. One, if Hillary got charged and she had to be, they had to get a new nominee, or you know, whatever. Let's say the Democratic Party decided Hillary was compromised. We have to get a new nominee. Uh, if I was in Trump's camp, which I guess I basically am an adopted member at this point, I'd be more <laughs> fearful of Bernie. I'd be more fearful of Biden. I view almost any generic Democrat as a more formidable opponent than Hillary. I think Hillary's the the best case scenario for the Republicans. I, I, think I mean, she's, she's a weak the, candidate, but she still has like a troubling amount of support. I mean, but she's Americans so are really disappointing. I, she is really hated, but you know, if you look at the at the polls, she's still a, ahead of Trump in in a lot of regions. Yeah, well, which but, fascinates me. I'm like, how is that even possible? But 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 the other the other reason I think it benefits Trump is, I mean, maybe it would benefit him more if there were charges because he could play up this crookedness all the as much as he wants. But if she gets taken out and the Democrats put something in, that argument's dead for him. Now he has the benefit of crooked Hillary, corruption. Um, all sorts of lies and deceit, all sorts of backroom deals. He can make that argument credibly now. And oh, so yeah. some, someone, you know, like me who, you know, maybe a year ago or so, I would have been like, eh, it's kind of a pie in the sky, tinfoil hat um, paranoia. I look at this um, as someone who tries to at least make uh, maintain the image of objectivity. I look at this right. and I think... Uh, that's bad. That's that's there's something someone was promised a job. Someone was there's something that doesn't add up here. I mean, the findings oh, all yeah. say she she fucked up and then the recommendation is no charges and it's all cool. We're just sweep it under the rug. I mean, I and then I this a, Bill Clinton Loretta Lynch meeting that they just ran into each other in Phoenix on their right. private jets. That is just how stupid do they think they think we're retarded? They, they must. I mean, oh, we just we just talked about our grandkids and golf. Is, is that the narrative they're going with? Because I don't know too much about that. I mean, I know it happened, but I don't know what their explanation yeah, is for. Yeah, they it. said that they ran into each other there, and that um, that he, that Bill Clinton just got on her jet to talk to her and her husband about like unrelated shit. I'm sure he wasn't like, okay, you get to keep your job, but you know, there were some threats made. Hmm. It, the it's hard. Are so fucking crooked. God, I hate. I hate. We're going to have to get a, you know, we need Costco as a sponsor. We need Costco packs of tinfoil to make hats at this point. But I, all the facts lend itself to that type of conspiracy thinking. And the Clintons and their yeah. camp are not doing a good and a good job of explaining it. The, the only conclusions they want you to have is like, well, we're just dumb. Yeah. We're so <laughs> Let us stupid. be president. Let yeah. her be president and me back in the White House. <sighs> I, They're I, not I, dumb. They're not I, oh, I'm sure there's a calculated reason for the server. That's not just like, hey, I got a server. Want to put some stuff on it? No, there's a, there's definitely a calculated reason for that. Yeah. People need to not underestimate her malice. Like her, she has nefarious intentions like across the board. She is crooked and she has like no moral fibers or moral center. She'll just do whatever. She is like truly an, an immoral woman and vile. I mean, maybe she'll That's... die before the election. <laughs> That was a joke, FBI. Uh, James Comey, I know you've, you're tapping in. Um, we disagree <laughs> yeah. with your reasoning, but that was a joke. Uh, you have no reason to... Ca- Actually, we love it if you watch the show. Just don't, um, you know. We're being, uh, we're being extremely careless with our remarks here, <laughs> but not criminally negligent. Yeah, really. So, you know. Um, wow. Well, we, we got it covered. We are... At wow, do we minute, need a whole hour? We one minute to go, and we kind of rounded out both topics in perfect timing. Sweet. We're getting better at this, right? I think so. I think so. I hope so. If we're not, eh, tough. 
Um, but you know, we'll, we try <laughs> and we're having fun. So thanks to, uh, everyone for supporting the show and thanks to the live chat and everyone, uh, for hanging out and thanks for correcting us on the, I'm going to look into this hot sauce thing. Once we're done, try to figure yeah, that really. out. Uh, let me do my, my bit here. Um, Thank you kindly, live viewers and chatters. We appreciate you. If you're listening on demand on YouTube or in an audio platform, thank you for supporting the show as well. Remember to email us. That's beautyinthebeta at gmail.com. We take your questions, requests, suggestions. We reply to everyone except the crazies, so don't be a crazy. And please, if you can, support us on Patreon. Help us make the most of the Republican National Convention. That's patreon.com slash beautyinthebeta. We will be back two weeks from today because we're doing audio-only shows in the meantime. So hit us up on iTunes or SoundCloud. Listen to us there. If it's Sunday, sorry, Chuck Todd, it is not Meet the Press. It is Beauty in the Beta. See you then. Hi, guys. <laughs>